0: Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wickedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. I bring you greetings from all of the parishes and communities of the Episcopal Church in Alabama. It's my very great privilege to serve here and to serve in Mentone and Selma and Montgomery and Huntsville and all these wonderful communities, all of them very different, all of them brought together by the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a privilege to be the Bishop of Alabama It's a privilege to work with the Cathedral Church of the Advent, my friend Andrew Pearson, our new dean, all of the clergy and all of the people of this cathedral. I um, came to church here at 10.30 this morning and received my ashes and heard a really good sermon by Canon Joe Gibbs. If you missed it, I hope you'll find it on the Internet and listen. Uh, Well done. Thank you very much. We have been having this preaching series for 100 years, 100 years worth of preachers standing right here and talking to the people of Birmingham, wise, wonderful, qualified people. I looked at the list of people who are coming this Lent, and uh, there's some really fine speakers there. Ed Salmon, retired bishop of South Carolina, now at Nashota House. Now that guy talks like a bishop. Paul Zoll, former dean of this cathedral, come back home to share some time and thoughts with us. Other people that I don't know, some people that I do, there are really some wonderful speakers coming up. But the tradition is that you start with the bishop, and so here we are. Created? Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we may obtain perfect remission and forgiveness. A long time ago, in a diocese not all that far away, a man asked his priest to hear his confession. I'd been ordained at that point for three or four years, but I'd never heard a confession. It hadn't been part of my experience growing up, I don't think we talked about it at all during seminary, or at least I don't remember it if we did. I agreed to hear his confession. We set up an appointment, and I went back in my office and looked up the service in the prayer book. The Order of Worship for the Reconciliation of a Penitent, on page 447, in what was then the new prayer book. The form of worship spells it out pretty clearly. And you just read along. The penitent begins with, bless me for I have sinned. Then the priest says, the Lord be in your heart and upon your lips that you may truly and humbly confess your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then the priest and the penitent say together, Amen. So be it. Let it be so. The penitent continues, I confess to Almighty God, to His church, and to you that I have sinned by my own fault, in thought, word, and deed, and things done and left done, undone, and especially blank. So the man came into my office. We made sort of nervous small talk for just a bit, and then we opened our prayer books to page 447 and began the service And he filled in the blank at some length, in some uncomfortable detail. Now I know that this would be a more interesting story if I filled in that blank too, but uh, it really is his story to tell. It wasn't criminal, but it was shameful. He had hurt his family, and especially his wife. They were working their way through it, but the shame of it was eating him up. After he told me the story, we sat in silence for just a bit, and he continued, For these and all other sins which I cannot now remember, I am truly sorry. I pray, God, to have mercy on me. I firmly intend amendment of life and I humbly beg forgiveness to God and his church and ask you for counsel, direction, and absolution. I have to say that I hadn't really paid that much attention to that part of the service until that moment when he asked me for counsel, direction, and absolution. The rubrics, the, the fine print, kind of the directions for how to do all of this, read at that point, Here the priest may offer counsel, direction, and comfort. I knew that this had to be something more than tut tut or they're there but I have not yet hit 30 years old and this guy was well past 60 who am I to give him direction and counsel what do you say don't ever do that again what a jerk no wonder your family's all in tatters. You can't say any of that. I can't imagine that I was particularly eloquent or theologically erudite. It doesn't seem to be my style, really. But I do remember telling him that there is nothing that we can do that puts us outside of the love of God. That the love extended to us as Christ extended his arms on the cross is infinite and absolute. We are never out of God's reach, I said. And as I said it, I knew that I believed it. And I believe it still. He looked somewhat dubious about that and started to protest a little bit until he realized he was arguing against his own case. That's not what he had heard from other preachers. The love and forgiveness of God is infinite and absolute and without limits. He said he wanted to believe me. And then we finished the confession. I said the priest line. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who has left power to his church to absolve all sinners who truly repent and, re- and believe in him, of his great mercy, forgive you all your offenses. And by his authority committed to me, I absolve you from all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I made the sign of the cross. We said together, Amen. So be it. Let it be so. And then my favorite part, the priest says, The Lord has put away all your sins. The penitent says, Thanks be to God. And the priest says, Go in peace and pray for me, a sinner. All in all, I was fairly pleased with how it went. I didn't mess up my lines. I didn't lose my place. And I told him what I believed when it came time for counsel, direction, and comfort. And that would have been the end of it, at least for me. But the man came up to me after the Sunday service a couple of weeks later and sheepishly asked me to hear his confession again. So I was trying to figure out if he had done something else remarkable. Some other sort of, you know, front page sort of need to confess kind of sin. But I didn't want to just come out and just ask him that. You can't really say that sort of thing out loud. And he told me that he wanted to confess the same sin again. I said, Danny, you've already confessed that. You've already been forgiven that. He was one of those people that had a hard time looking you in the eye. And right then he looked me deeply in the eye and I saw the pain that he was in and he said, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't remember what I said then. I do remember thinking later I wish I'd said more or something else. It's not enough to intellectually assent to a doctrine of repentance and forgiveness. That's important but not sufficient. It's not enough to subscribe to a particular theory of atonement is important but not sufficient you have to feel it you have to know it you have to trust that God really does love and forgive us or all of those sins large and small those choices we make because we are selfish cowardly or lazy all those sins become infected and eat away at us Like a cancer of our soul, distorting and sometimes destroying our relationships with God and with each other. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our being forgiven is forever wrapped up in our willingness to forgive, to know and feel that we really are forgiven, You're going to have to forgive. And many times worse than that, you're going to have to forgive yourself. That's one of those preacher things. Easy to say and very hard to do. When I was in high school and in college, I worked at the summer camp in Mississippi. There was a man there whose name was Jimmy Lee Washington. I talk about this man all the time because he taught me a lot. He cut the grass and took out the trash, and he could fix anything for a few minutes, and then it fell apart again. He and I became friends for some reason, and I spent a lot of time with Jimmy Lee. And I loved the way he understood things and the way he talked about things. He was wise but unburdened by education. One summer when I was there, I was on the staff and I messed something up. I really don't remember what it was. I forgot to do something or I was too late getting there or something. But it it messed up the program. The kids had a great time. It's hard to keep kids from having a great time, but the program didn't go the way we had planned it, and it was all my fault. And I was sort of beating myself up about that and said something to Jimmy Lee. He asked me if I'd apologize to the director of the session, and I said that I had. He said, is he mad at you? I said, no. No. And then, and this will tell you a lot about Jimmy Lee, he said, did you tell Jesus about it? And I said that I had, and he believed me. And he said, you know Jesus forgives you? I said, yeah. But I was still mad at myself, still disappointed with myself, and I wasn't ready to let it go. Jimmy Lee Washington said, I believe it's just pure arrogant." to hold on to something that Jesus has has let go. I've remembered that now for almost 40 years. I believe it's just pure arrogant to hold on to something that Jesus has let go. You have to feel it. You have to know it. You have to trust God, that he really does love and forgive. We cannot take ourselves so far away from God that he can't reach out for us in the arms of Jesus Christ our Lord. In order to know that we are forgiven, we need to forgive each other and ourselves. Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent, the season that the church year has for centuries set aside to be especially mindful of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. That's a quote from the Ash Wednesday service. On this day, we are invited to the observance of a holy Lent, By self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word, we are invited to repent, to turn away from ourselves and turn toward God. And we are invited to offer ourselves to our Lord and receive ashes as a mark of our mortal nature, remembering that we are but dust. We are a dust, given life and hope and imagination and grace by the power of the Spirit of God in the unfailing mercy of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not enough to hear the words. It's not enough to kneel when you're supposed to kneel and stand when you're supposed to stand, as mysterious as that can be sometimes. It's not enough to put ashes on our forehead. It's not enough to agree intellectually. You have to know it. You have to feel it. The absolute, infinite love and forgiveness of God. You have to trust God to really put your sins away, as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 103. He will not always accuse us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our wickedness. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is his mercy great upon those who fear him, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. As a father cares for his children, so does the Lord care for those who fear him. I invite you, therefore, to the observance of a holy Lent. I invite you to turn away from selfishness, cowardice, and laziness, and turn toward Almighty God, It's not too late. It's never too late. We are never out of God's reach. There's nothing we can do that puts us so far away from God that he can't still reach us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, who died on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven and so that we would know them to be forgiven. As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our sins from us. But you have to let them go. You have to trust God with all of those things that you are ashamed of. They are not who you are. I invite you in the name of god to let them go and trust god in god's mercy create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wickedness may obtain of you the god of all mercy perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So be it. Let it be so. And now, children of God, go forth into the world in peace. Be strong and of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Sing to the Lord a new song. Render to no one evil for evil. Make no peace with oppression. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Wonder with those who wonder, trusting and hoping in the grace of God. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen.